This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, and welcome back to the Young Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Kenzie Aaron of Aaron Iron and Steel. Let's get right into it. This is the podcast by young makers, about young makers, and for everybody. So we're going to be interviewing a fantastic young maker today, Jonah Conrad. He makes really nice hammers, axes, occasionally he does knives, and he's just a really talented guy. He does, you know, lots of incredible work. I'll let him introduce himself properly right now, and then we'll get right into it. All right. Uh, my name is Jonah Conrad, obviously. I... I started blacksmithing just under three years ago, and uh, I guess I started doing knives like everybody else, and then I slowly grew into hammers, and uh, now they're my passion. And axes are probably a new, a more newly acquired passion, just because uh, I just started liking them a lot from probably from watching YouTube videos and having some influence from there. Um, I live in Idaho, and uh, in a little tiny town in Idaho called Greenleaf, and uh, we have a little shop there. It's just, it's basically our dream house, and I'm really happy here. Wow, that's super awesome. Sounds good. So I'm really interested that you use the word passion, and uh, you talked about your shop, so those are some great jumping points which we'll jump off of later because first our first question is what's going on in your shop this week this past week even future week if you want to get into it so I'll start um, I've been working on a Santoku knife that I well I made one and I scrapped it and then I forged out another one I got it I don't know, maybe halfway ground, and then I noticed a little warp, so I tried to straighten it, and I overheated the blade, so I reheat treated, and now it's too thin, and the edge is just, you know, squiggly, and Man. so I'm trying to straighten that out. Struggles just, with knife making. Yeah, I'm just fighting it right now. Uh, it's for a customer who's been very patient, and all my customers have, because I've just been slow lately, so I've got... Hopefully, I'll be able to fill all the orders that I have this month, but we'll see. I've been trying to get more efficient and trying to put out more more knives, which is something I've noticed you've been really good with your hammers, and I want to talk to you about that too later. But first, what's been going on in your shop this week? Uh, it's, it's really best, uh, mostly been production work. I recently got an order... I can't say from who, it's kind of a secret right now, but it'll come out sometime. Uh, for I got an order for 25 total hammers, and uh, I've really been working on that this last week. I got about 10 forged this week and a bunch of them ground. Uh, got some handles ground up for those to about 120 grit. Uh, also been working on some shop improvement, making some new tools. I've noticed oh, I use a lot of my tools that I made like two years ago and they're starting to be outdated and, and uh, not work properly anymore and uh, 
it's 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 fun making new tools for myself, but it's it's also kind of uh, time consuming, and I think the reason I put it off for so long is because I want to make uh, stuff that makes me money rather than spending time to make something for myself. You know, it's kind of something we got to balance. But yeah, I've been working on that order. I also got another order from uh, some of you might know. Uh, Jay Lee's Knives on Instagram, Jared Lee's, he ordered a few of my uh, Octospheres, but they're kind of his own design with a, with a different flat face on them, and uh, yesterday we were planning on forging one of those, but I, uh, I, we were, when we were forging the billet, I burnt the, uh, one of the corners of it really, really bad, and I decided I should probably just take a break for the weekend, and take the weekend off because I'm pretty tired from all the production work this past week. <clears throat> that's about it this week. Yeah, that's it. That's a busy week by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I've been following your hammer batch and I'm really excited to see how they turn out because, yeah, your hammers are fantastic and I'm, I'm glad to hear that they're getting in the hands of lots of uh, you know people to make things. And I guess that's why they call Blacksmith the king of trades, you know. They do their own tools and tools for everybody else. Oh, yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I don't make many tools at all. I always... And I know exactly what you're talking about with making stuff for yourself. We still use, uh, in like, a grocery store kitchen knife in our kitchen right now. Yeah. Because I'm just... I really want to, you know, put my work out. When I mess one up, I'll make one for uh, myself here. And tools, I, I, made, I tried making tongs the other day, and I spent the whole day on one pair of tongs, and then I broke them right at the end. I just... Uh. A lot of people talk about how much they enjoy making tools for themselves and stuff, and I don't know. It's just not something that um, really gets to me. Yeah, tongs tongs have been something I really struggle with. Tongs are just so hard to get the proportions right on it and, and forge them cleanly and just make them look nice. They're just... I've never really been good, and uh, all the tongs that I have that I use every day, I've basically made them for myself. And... Uh, I only have, I don't use that many that uh, many tongs, which is kind of weird because a lot of smiths have like racks and racks of tongs, and I try to use like two or three tongs for just about everything, and sometimes it kind of is to my downfall, but I guess we got to do what we got to do. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I use one pair of wolf jaw tongs for everything right now, <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's not, uh, not how I'd like to do it, but... Uh, you know, I need to get some some bladesmith tongs or something. But it's another that's another segment talking about tools. Yeah. So we've gotten to the point. What am I talking about? Sorry, everybody. <laughs> so we're right here. Let's get into you, your backstory. You mentioned that you've been doing this for about three years, which is unbelievable with the level of work that you're creating. By the way. But you've been going for about three years. Um, tell me about, you know, how you got into it. Tell me about your journey through it, how you transitioned. You know, bring me through it. It's kind of a weird story. I mean, I can't really tell you exactly what got me into blacksmithing. It was just kind of 
I have no idea. It might have been some YouTube videos. Um, before we moved to this house with the shop, I lived at my uncle's house, and that was the first place I saw Forge and Fire. And I wouldn't say that I was like super interested interested in it, but it it was a pretty cool TV show to watch. And then um, I wouldn't say that's what got me started. Uh, because what I used to do before blacksmithing was uh, napping, like obsidian napping, arrowheads and knives and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. And I kind of got sick of the, f the fragility of it. And, you know, if you dropped it, it's shattered into a million pieces. And uh, to me, that's like... Some people say obsidian knives are super, super useful, and to me, you know, if you can break it, if you drop it on the ground, it's not very useful. So I kind of got out of that, and um, the only really alternative to obsidian knives was used regular uh, steel knives. So I saw a YouTube video of a guy making one of those mini swords from a 16-penny nail, and I we had a little tiny torch in the shop, and I heated up the nail, and started hitting on it on a uh, on a railroad track anvil and kind of got into that and then I, I made like three of those uh, 16 penny nail knives and then eventually I just started buying more tools and got a bigger torch eventually got a kind of it's an uh, anvil shaped object like eight inch round piece of steel that was a pretty good anvil uh, up until recently, I was using it for a striking anvil because it weighs like 135 pounds, so and it's mounted pretty low, which really it was pretty good for a striking anvil until I made my new one. But uh, I just like everybody, I started making knives, started out making knives, and I learned pretty quickly that I don't have the patience to make knives. <laughs> like hand sanding, it's just. I don't have the patience for that. It's just not my thing anymore. So I made a few knives, and I'm pretty happy with those knives. They were they were decent. And uh, and then I saw. I really think Ethan Hardy. Some of you may know about Ethan Hardy on Instagram. Uh, he makes insanely awesome hammers. And uh, once I saw his hammers, I really I wanted to make them. So I made myself a set of fullers. It the bottom fuller, it was, oh man, it was such an abomination. This this thing, I drilled a 3 8 inch hole in my striking anvil and put a rod down it and then put my top fuller, I drilled the same hole and then put that rod in the top fuller and that's how it kind of was secured to my anvil, but it would, you know, spin and jump off the anvil and stuff and and uh but you know i made my first hammer with that and that we took about two days two and full days to make that hammer and it was so ugly it's not even funny i mean that hammer was i call it the ogre hammer because it, it looks like an ogre but and then i guess i could i was just hooked after that because i love making hammers it's just it's so fun to make hammers in my opinion it's um I started making better tools, and then after that, you know, just making hammers over and over again, getting better, trying to improve my skills, paying attention to other smiths, 
and uh, and then I met Andrew Larson, and he helped me a lot with uh, making hammers and giving me tips on uh, forging and doing that kind of stuff. And then uh, I guess that brings us to present day, where I'm just you know trying to grow my business from there. I'm trying to really mainly get consistent at the hammers because it's really easy to make two different hammers that are the supposed to be the same style but uh, especially with this big order of 25 hammers I, I'm really paying attention to my consistency and getting all the hammers the exact same uh, which is actually pretty hard and uh, that's basically my story that's awesome that's Thank you for all that detail. That's a really fantastic uh, demonstration of how you... Not demonstration. That's a <laughs> good telling, though, of your journey through it, and it's really interesting to hear, you know, your transition from knives into hammers. Um, so you were talking about consistency. How, how do you um, make patterns for hammers? Because I know a knife, you can just cut out, you know, a piece of plywood or whatever into the shape of the knife you want, and then you can forge and grind to that but how do you do it for a hammer so for a hammer what i would do is i forge one out of the batch and i take it it's my favorite one looks the best the cleanest nicest proportions i grind that and get it to basically finished before heat treatment and i make all the hammers just like that i grind them the same i uh, get the same proportions on them and uh it's really with hammers you want to have the exact same dimensions on the starting billet so the billet is basically the starting of the hammer I mean that's the that will be the dimensions of the hammer when it's finished so all my hammers I try to make the billet exactly the same length width and everything punch, you have to punch the eye in the same place it's a lot of measuring. I've learned a lot over the years with uh, getting the billets the same length. And mainly this past month has really helped me learn a lot about consistency. But yeah, I just just uh, pick a good hammer that I like and try to make them all exactly like that. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So thank you for that. So... Another thing you had mentioned was Ethan Hardy, and I know Ethan Hardy is, lives 20 minutes away from me, maybe half an hour. Oh, man. He's, he's right here, and I want to take a class with him as soon as I can. And I just thought it was interesting that you mentioned him. I just wanted to brag about that for a second. <laughs> yes, yeah. I wish I lived that close. Dang. Yeah. Well, his hammers are really good, though. He's been doing them for Alex Steele, too. Yeah, he's a great inspiration. And we talked about tooling as well, and that's probably the main thing, you know, keeping me from trying to make a hammer right now is just, you know, I don't have any of the tools except a hammer for it, you know. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of tools. Yeah. It surprised me. I'm, I still make new tools for hammers. I just made a set of three-inch fullers to clean up the cheeks, which I'm really happy with the result on that. I mean, it's, you can never have too many tools. No doubt. It's like clamps. Just keep, anytime you see a clamp, you should take it. Cause yeah. Clamps. 
<laughs> you always need more clamps. Yeah, we always have a shortage of clamps in the shop. It's, it's kind of annoying, but, you know. Yeah, and that was the other thing I wanted to ask you about was your shop. So, did you guys move into a house with a shop just for you, or does your dad or mom do something they need the shop for? Are you sharing the space? Yeah, so when we moved into the house... I didn't even expect to use the shop because I wasn't even into blacksmithing when we moved in. So it was mainly, I didn't even know what we were going to use it for, except for my dad. He does uh, lapidary. He works with rocks and uh, he does uh, cabochons. They're for jewelry. He sells those on Instagram too. And uh, so there's two parts of the shop. There's a small, we call it the small shop and the big shop. The small shop is... Uh, it's about, I don't know the square footage, but it's just, uh, it's a pretty big room, and my dad uses that for all of his lapidary and uh, all the grinding machines and the saws in there. And the big shop is a lot of uh, storage and a lot of just tools. And I have, I originally had a 10 by 10 square, which I worked in, and the forge is outside and I'm slowly growing out of that when I get, since I've been getting bigger tools. I just got a bandsaw a while ago and that's, and I'm having to move out of that square. And uh, eventually we're gonna have to make some more room for me. <laughs> but you know, it's okay, because my dad doesn't use the, the big shop for anything except for storage and using uh, like table saws and chop saws and stuff like that. Okay. That's pretty sweet, though. You really can't complain. No. Yeah, uh, is it, I love it. Is it heated in there? No, it's it's not. It We have, in the small shop, it is heated, but the big shop is not. The small shop's insulated pretty well, so it stays cooler in there. But the big shop, we have a big garage door on it. So that's what I open, and I'm right next to the garage door, and the forge just sits outside the garage door. Oh, uh. I guess the problem there is worrying about heat, not so much cold, is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been hot the past this week. Like, it's been really hot this week, and uh, I think I think AC would be better in there actually, because in the winter when I'm forging, it's great. I mean, I could forge in 40 degree weather and just be happy. See, no, with. Here, I have a big tent out back where I do all the forging work, and in the winter when it gets to minus 40 Celsius, it's just Ugh. too cold. Because that, that's past the point where it overlaps, because doesn't Celsius and Fahrenheit overlaps at what, minus 31 or something? Yeah, I think so. So that's that's about minus 7 or 10 in Fahrenheit, which is absolutely crazy. Yeah, it it gets cold enough, I'll tell you. But yeah. hopefully I'll be moving to a heated shop before next winter. Follow my Instagram to get uh, updates on that. We'll see, hopefully. My grandpa has a shop that he needs to clean out, and then I can move in there. That'll but be fun. that brings me to some of the... Oh, minus 40 Celsius is the same as minus 40 Fahrenheit. Really? Yeah. Are you sure about that? Google, oh, I Google guess, says. I guess so, because 30 degrees Fahrenheit is freezing temperature. Or maybe not. 
Something like that. I don't know. Okay. Well, it's <laughs> it's cold as balls. Okay. Let's yeah, just go with that. It's, it's really cold. It's cold as balls. So hopefully I'll be moving into a heated shop. And yeah, that brings me to the next the next question. So I notice when I move into that shop, I won't be able to drive there. And even now I'm not, I don't have that mobility factor. You know, my mom drives a hatchback, so I can't always pick up things that I need. There are just a lot of little disadvantages that come with um, starting so young. Uh, have you noticed any of that, or is it pretty good, especially since you have a shop? I mean, I ha- I actually haven't noticed very many disadvantages. I mean, because um, I can, right now I can drive myself around. I have a little truck, and that's pretty nice because I can get any steel bars that I need from the machine shop. But I mean, any disadvantages, not really. I guess before I got my license, you know, I'd have to wait for my mom or dad to take me places. But yeah, I think not really any disadvantages for me. Do you get in trouble for bringing hammers and stuff into the house? I do not. My my parents completely understand. They support me. I mean, uh, I have... Whenever I have hammers that are for sale and they haven't sold, I just... I have a uh, bookshelf that I set them on and they just sit there. And, uh, yeah, they just all sit in my room. Uh, you never leave them on, like, the kitchen table or anything? No, no, yeah, if I do that, then then my mom will say, yeah, get those off. <laughs> <laughs> it's the biggest issue with being a young maker is you can't leave knives on the couch. Yeah. All right, well, if there's no disadvantages, or very few, you know, it's very limited. Oh, wait, before I get into that, I guess one that I'm, you may notice is... And you wouldn't really think about it, but because you start so young and you'll be working around, you know, dangerous things and dust and all that stuff for so much of your life, do you try and think extra about safety as opposed to someone older would? Or do you just, you know, yeah. is that something that crossed your mind? I'm constantly thinking about that. I mean, especially with doing larger forgings and using heavier hammers, I'm constantly thinking about... Uh, how my body is gonna you know last doing this you know because you can't you can't swing an eight pound hammer for eight hours a day every day of your life and expect your arm to be in good shape yeah i mean and especially like using big machines you know like the other day i was using a wood bandsaw and the blade snapped i mean that's not super dangerous because it's kind of enclosed but stuff like that but yeah always I try to use uh, PPE like uh, masks and stuff like that sometimes I'm naughty and I don't do that when I'm just grinding for a short time and then it kind of gets in my conscience but yeah I'm I'm constantly uh, thinking about how my body is gonna you know react to doing this kind of work because not a lot of people you know swing swing a hammer all day you know and that's just one arm concentrated that's really not the best for your arm and uh, I've definitely noticed some problems and issues with that and going to the chiropractor and stuff like that but yeah yeah 
I definitely know what you're talking about. I think about, like, I'm always rolling that shoulder, you know, just to try and keep it loose. And I, someone told me that if you don't, like, wiggle your fingers on that hand and, like, stretch it and, you know, move, keep the mobility in your fingers consciously, that um, when you get older, your hand won't, you won't be able to press it flat against a table. Your fingers will be permanently curled. And so that's something... It's, you know, and dust in your lungs. It's all things that you have to think about how long you'll be exposed to that. Yeah. So I do try and use, you know, I, I have a four-pound hammer and I can swing it, but I don't like to use it. I try to keep to a, you know, two-and-a-half-pound hammer or two-pound hammer and just take it slow, you know. It's something you definitely have to think about. I had a knife ripped out of my hand on the grinder the other day, and it just... I think it was actually the tang that gouged me and it, you know, just tore my hand a little bit. That is nasty. I can't forge with that hand for a week or so. It's, it turned out fine, but it's, you know, it's scary. Yeah. And it's just, so you're a hammer maker. You know about hammers and you're talking about, you know, a good weight of hammer. What would you recommend? Or do you have new people trying to buy hammers from you? And what size are people like that buying? I've noticed it's it's mostly two and a half and three and a half pounders. I have not sold a single four and a half pound hammer or gotten an order for a four and a half pound hammer, which you know it's not really a big surprise because when you're forging knives, you don't necessarily need that big of a hammer. But um, like a three and a half pound would get the job done for a knife, you know, pretty easily unless you're doing like Damascus by hand. But mostly. Two and a half and three and a half pounders, not many one and a halfs. Yeah, I think it's probably out of the two, mostly two and a half pounders that people order. Well, that's my personal favorite size as well. Yeah, and that's that's something that's another issue I run into is when you're working with large larger diameter hammer or larger diameter steel, uh, and you're forging that like when I'm making hammers, I have to use a bigger hammer because, you know, a four and a half pound hammer is not gonna do the same job as an eight pounder when you're making, when you're forging two inch round. And that's something that I'm actually kind of afraid of is using using a really big hammer for too long. And uh, something I've really been paying attention to with this batch is, you know, taking break days to give my arm a rest for that well yeah that's you swing an eight pound hammer with yeah, one hand all day that's crazy so are you forging all your hammers by hand or you have not by hand i have i have a small 30 pound carry hard uh, power hammer which is saving my behind right now i'm super grateful for that but yeah an eight pounder I mean, I can't punch the eye on the power hammer or do anything like that, and uh, I'm limited on the amount of hammers I can do with it, you know, because I can forge cross pins and uh, diagonal pins on it, but I can't do, you know, a rounding hammer that has fullers because the hammer doesn't have enough throw to actually handle the uh, the spring fullers on it, so I have to make a all the rounding hammers with a striker on who's striking for you that would be my dad Uh, i figured 
Yeah, and he's he's an amazing striker, man. He he hits so hard. It's unbelievable. That's good. That's convenient to have someone like that right around you. Yep. Okay, so we've covered the disadvantages, which is mostly just, you know, to sum it up, the prolonged wear and tear on your body and just absolutely destroying yourself. Yeah. But, you know, it's worth it. Um, let's get into, and here's why it's worth it, let's get right into the advantages. You know, what have you seen, you know, what makes you glad that you started so young? I think it's just, uh, my business is so much more developed than somebody who started, you know, like when they were 17. If somebody starts when they're 17, you know, they're not going to have a business until maybe they're 20 or something like that. And right now, I'm pretty happy with how my business is doing. Um, I'm very, very, very glad that I started my business this early because now, you know, I'm making money right now that I have. I can do, you know, I can buy all the tools I need and I don't need any help from anybody else, which is super good to not have any, like, debt that you have to pay back to somebody like for years and uh yeah it's just the ability to have a developed business and to be able to make money so early in life is is really uh i think an advantage that is a fantastic point and it's something that i definitely see in myself as well you know, it's that lack of responsibility uh, apart from, you know, school and any chores or whatever you may have. And it gives you that ability to focus on your work. Yeah. And you know, that that shop time is very precious time when you don't have to be paying the bills and you can just learn and maybe make a little bit of money. Yeah. You know, it's definitely a very valuable asset that a lot of people miss out on because they are not exposed to it very young. I assume that, you know, with your your father doing, you know, work with his hands, he creates, he is a creative person. I assume that you were exposed to that relatively young and it's given you, you know, a lot of advantages. Yeah. I think um working with our hands is really deep in our family. We've all of my like my grandpa, my dad, we're all very very uh capable with our hands you know I can remember when I was like 10 9 younger than that like building I wouldn't ask my dad to help me build or I would ask him to help me but I wouldn't ask him to actually build it for me I would be building like bikes or ramps for my bike stuff like that just you know screwing together boards and building stuff it's always it's always been uh, really rooted in my lifestyle yeah and it's well making things does a lot for you it does a lot um you know for your for your brain it does a lot to your body and it does a lot for your you know inner well-being sort of yeah and i think that it's something a lot of kids are missing is that uh wholesome sense of satisfaction when you create something yep and I know when we talked a little bit earlier, you mentioned that when you were younger, you used to play a lot more video games. How, and I assume that that's one thing that started to go when you got into knives and hammers and whatnot. How else has your life changed since you got, you know, since you started running a business and you started focusing on your blacksmithing? 
I mean, it's it's made me so much more responsible, you know, managing finances and and uh, actually doing stuff on my own. You know, I don't. It's made me a lot more independent, also. Like, I don't ask my parents to, you know, if I need something, I just, you know, check my bank account, see if I have the money, and go buy it. Go go to the store or whatever. I mean, I definitely think. It has helped me uh, because before, when yeah, you mentioned me playing video games. That was, I think, a big mistake in my life. It's there's no point in playing video games all day when you can go out in the shop and make something and and even make some money in the process. I mean, there's there's no point in sitting at a computer all day. It's it's just pointless. I mean. I think uh, that definitely, it almost went away immediately because I used to play video games with my dad and then me and my dad started just spending more time in the shop every day and then eventually I just quit playing video games because they just didn't, they didn't interest me anymore. I wanted to go make stuff, you know. I know exactly what you're talking about and I was the exact same way. It's, uh, it almost gives you a feeling like you know, wasting time is almost the worst thing because it's time that could be spent learning and growing. Has um, has your work made you have a different perception of time and what and your purpose? Has it made does Does this question make sense? I don't yeah, know. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I uh, it's repeat the question again. I just I just had a brain a, fart. All right, so check it out. Since I got into you know, making knives, it has made me feel like uh, I have a purpose that I need to work towards, and so any time spent not working towards that really kills me. Oh, yes, yes, okay, it just came back to me. Yeah, it's definitely made me, uh, I hate wasting time now. I mean, sometimes it's, it's probably not a good thing, but sometimes if I work... I try to uh, work a lot in the shop, you know, uh, sometimes 10, 11 hour days, and sometimes when I do that, I feel like, oh man, you're not doing enough still, and it's that's probably not a good mindset to have, is that's just overworking yourself, and and uh, I definitely think it's, it's helped me uh, dislike wasting time, but also it's given me a lot of time management. Uh, skills that that have really helped me in the shop and balancing shop time and, and regular lifetime, you know. Yeah, and that makes a big difference too. You know, it makes me go to bed earlier. It makes me wake up earlier. You know, I do oh, more. Yeah. I even do more chores just because it's something to do. Yeah. Like I used to be able to spend, you know, the whole weekend. I would just relax. Now I'll spend maybe half of Saturday relaxing. Yeah. And that's plenty for me because I feel replenished after coming from the shop. Exhausted, but replenished. Yeah. And I I love coming to bed sore, you know. Mm-hmm. Now I don't feel good unless I've, you know, worked myself hard enough, which is, I depending on how you look at it, it's either really good or really bad. We'll yeah. see how I feel in 20 years. <laughs> yeah. But that's another advantage of starting so young is you have all this energy. You don't have so much sapping you, you know? 
Definitely, definitely. I think it's, I've definitely noticed that with myself and um, especially working with my dad as a striker, you know, he doesn't have the energy, you know, we can't make three hammers in a day, you know. I I try to limit myself and, and keep myself and stop and uh, try to stop pushing him because I do have to acknowledge, you know, he works full time all week and then and then he asks or I asked him to come strike for me on the weekend and he's already wore out so I have to try to limit that and it's definitely given me a knowledge of the difference in energy levels between our age groups yeah I know exactly what you're talking about so with that in mind and the idea that you know as you grow older things will change what are your plans with your business what are you know, some vague plans for when you're done school. Where do you want to take this? I mean, I've always had really big goals. I I could say, oh yeah, I want to be known as the best hammer maker in the world, but that that would be kind of a broad a broad category. You know, I do. I want to be one of the biggest and well-known hammer makers on you know in the world that's just one of my goals and uh i really want to take this as far as i can go you know making hammers uh just showing the world what i can do you know it's it's something i've always wanted to do is have a have a have my own business that no one else tells me what to do yeah that's something i think about a lot is you know the freedom and the flexibility of it the fact that you're doing work that you love is all very valuable assets of you know running your own business and doing work like that and I know my plans are I know what you mean about trying to be you know wanting to be the best someday and that's a loose term yeah but it is still a good goal to shoot for you know if a lot of if a number of people believe you to be the best in the world that's enough yeah that <laughs> that's a just enough yeah you know i but, guess i guess you could say i would want to be the liam hoffman of hammer makers if that makes sense oh yeah that's a really good way to put it that's a fantastic analogy for those of you guys who don't know although i you know liam hoffman his his name is big enough. I'm, I'm guessing you guys all know. Yeah, but he's a fantastic sure. <laughs> axe maker. He he does tons of axes. His axes are known as some of the best in the world. Um, he's got it down to a science. If you look back at some of his old Instagram, you know things you can see the way he does batch work, and it's incredible. And it's definitely something that I would like to emulate as close as you can in knives. Like Blenheim Forge is someone that I look up to in the same way as that, in the way that they produce so much at such a high level. And so I assume that's what you mean. Yeah, it's. I've I've taken a lot of inspiration from Liam Hoffman. I I have basically studied his axes and especially his handle, his handles, and the way that they're shaped. Yeah. And there's something to be said about taking taking inspiration from somebody's work, which is 
a lot of the reason that makes our generation of makers so interesting is, and I've mentioned this before on especially, I think, the, the intro episode, I really talked about it, but it's a very interesting generation because of the way that we're learning to do this. You know, a self-taught knife maker, you know, 20 years ago, you hear people like Nick Wheeler or Josh Smith, I have an interview with him a couple episodes ago, and they talk about how they learned they either had someone teach them or they messed up a lot of knives. Yeah. You know, and now we're still we're still messing up a ton. But you have something to work off of, something to look at. That's, you know, and it's a lot more than things like Blade Magazine they may have had you know, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have, you have all the very, very skilled makers right at your fingertips to look at how they do things and and uh the way the way that they make their products and it's 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 uh, a real advantage to us i think well especially because the community is so you know welcoming and open with information you really can pick up things i ask people about things all the time and they love you know they love to share knowledge as long as you show you've put in the work yeah. That's something I hear a lot of older makers talk about, you know, well-known makers who are obviously getting a lot of questions like that. And you have to prove that you've been putting in work if you're just like, oh, I'm making my first knife, you know, and yeah. take me through every step of the process. I don't know. It's, they're not impressed by that. No. And Instagram catches a lot of, you know, criticism, but I think it's a really fantastic resource. I know I avoided it for a while just for... I don't know, but I decided that I didn't want it or need it in my life, and when I got it, it really helped me to find inspiration, but it also is a massive time suck, and it's something that I need to, you know, and I think we all need to deal with how much time you're spending on the internet. Yeah, you know, that's that's definitely something we need to pay attention to. I think Instagram, it's basically the only place I've ever done marketing or or shown what I make aside from like Etsy but Etsy is not really good for that for me Instagram has really opened up my business uh, for marketing and you know just showing the world that I'm here you know yeah me too all of my orders have come from Instagram it's a really good platform for sure yeah so Let's get into some more of these questions here, but this has been a really fantastic conversation so far. I really like how it's flowing, and too, I'm a little disappointed that my transition couldn't reflect that, but, you know, we're getting into it. You know, I'm, I'm practicing this. This podcast is another skill, too, and the internet is very helpful for me trying to figure out how to do this, because it's definitely very tricky. Yeah, it's, and this, doing this would be tough. Well, it is. I know I make it look easy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's you tricky. Do. And so, if you guys have any, you know, suggestions for me, how I can, how I can fix something if the flow is not working or you don't like the way I'm organizing it, or you have, you know, any constructive opinion, I'm very open to. Please DM me at Young Makers Podcast on Instagram, all one word. No, Young Makers Podcast. You know and it's on Instagram and yeah let me know what you guys think I would love to hear from you guys you know we're getting the listeners are gradually increasing and I appreciate you guys allowing me to do this 
by tuning in so please continue to do that share around you know give some love to craig for letting me on the makery network because that is also allowing me to reach so many people so early and so yeah dm me keep listening please and thank you so let's get into the next question let's come back to the real podcast obviously your parents are pretty accepting and pretty helpful about it how did they feel at first you know how did did they have any worries about your school or anything with it uh what do your friends think about it as well you know what do people around you think about it so first off my parents they've always been really supportive you know most parents are and uh you know i would not be where i am without my parents you know they've helped me a ton in getting tools that i need you know uh i could if i had any big tools just like this uh power hammer they helped me pay for that at first because i did not have a lot of money back then and uh i just paid that off and i would i wouldn't be anywhere without my parents uh, as far as friends go, I wouldn't say I have too many friends in person because there's not very many kids that uh, relate to what I do. So, you know, and I've never really cared what they think. And But other people, like my neighbors, people, they all often stop by and ask what I'm doing and ask what I'm making. And uh, just the other day, the mail lady stopped by and asked me what I was making. It's it's kind of funny because every time I meet somebody, they have to ask me if I've ever seen the show Forge and Fire. Every single time. It's the blacksmith's curse. It's it's just insane. Yeah. It's I don't even know how to describe it. I think because recently I was at the farmers market, the local farmers market, and every time someone would walk by, they ask if I've seen Forge and Fire, and I think I just went out of my mind from people asking that question but yeah it's a lot of people they're really interested I've been surprised with how many people don't really know or understand what blacksmithing is even though it's it's basically where we've come from and what made this country you know and it made all countries really yeah it's surprised me how many people don't know what forging is I uh, I recently did a hatchet giveaway, and the guy who won it, he um, he didn't understand quite understand that the head was you know forged completely by hand, and because uh, he had I I told him you know everything's made by hand I make everything by hand and he asked me where I bought the head and I said oh no I made it you know a lot of people just don't understand. Yeah, they don't. Why? Well, I know exactly what you mean. I was talking to somebody the other day about, um, I just bought an anvil. I just bought a little, I think it's a 75 pound Ajax anvil. I just, it was super cheap and I don't really need it. I'm just going to toss it up back for sale for a little bit more. But I was telling someone, oh, I bought an anvil and they said, oh, what's that? <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't believe it. Like it's in cartoons and stuff. It's, yeah. it's a thing. I had to explain it as the thing that the coyote tries to drop on the roadrunner. Like, yeah, that's the only, like, that's the only oh, way they're going to understand. Yeah. That's another challenge of being a young maker. There, you know, there, 
they're little things that you don't really think about until they're pointed out to you. Mm-hmm. And that, what we've been talking about is a challenge of any, any blacksmith is just trying to explain things and remembering that not everybody does this every day. It's not really a normal thing. And people are usually pretty interested or they're not and you're kind of disappointed, you know, or they're yeah. too interested and they're like, oh, I definitely got to buy one. But yeah. never do. Oh, tons of those people. But, you know, it's fine. But a challenge that you had mentioned uh, was the fact that something like this, you know, your passion such a big part of who you are at least for me that's how it is and it's something that nobody else almost no other people you know other kids at least can relate to that you know and that so it's something that you'll always be missing with most of your friends until you you know have blacksmith friends i guess yeah and, and you know are. that's it's never really affected me because i don't really mind if I don't have any friends. I'd rather just go in the shop and make a hammer than go hang out with somebody and talk. Me too. But it is it is something of a challenge too, just because you know, the nature of people and kids is we're very social. You know, we need that interaction. And when you don't have anybody that can relate to that, it can be a problem. Yeah, definitely. As well. And you get you pretty used to it. You know, it's, def- it's subtle. It's something that doesn't consciously bother you but I I would guess that for some people it could be a problem and so that's just that's another challenge that sort of goes unnoticed that I think I've been I've been noticing people talk about throughout the podcast and it's very subtle and so I just wanted to point that out because you'd mentioned that and I think I know I know what you're talking about yeah but yeah overall I uh, have to agree with you. Everyone is very, you know, nice and supportive. No one thinks you've seen Forged in Fire. <laughs> it's, oh, it's so funny. I just uh, laugh. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, I love that show. That's how it goes. But let's get into some, uh, some philosophical stuff here. Get into the real meat of it. Okay. All right. So you made one hammer, right? You made a few hammers, and you kept going. What keeps you coming back for the next hammer? Uh, I like, I love doing it. I mean, it's, before it's been something that I did after school, but now it's, it's actually really turning into a job now, and that's something I've kind of been afraid of, but now that it's, you know, full-time, I'm just trying to balance it, uh, you know, I think a lot of it is just the passion to make things. It's, I've always loved making things, and especially if you can make a tool that someone else ma- uses to make their living. Like, for example, I made a, ha- a diagonal peen for um, Marlboro Handcraft on Instagram, and he is using that to, to start making, to start forging his uh, first knives uh, because he's been doing uh, stock removal knives before that. And it's such a joy to be able to see other people using your tools to do what they love as well. And, you know, the fact that I love it, it just is just a, the cherry on top. And 
it's the only thing that I've been able to make money in too. I guess I've had trouble getting a job here because um, anywhere that I would like to work at, I have to be 18 for insurance purposes. But you know, I'm pretty happy with this uh, blacksmithing. You know, I'm making enough money that it'd be comparable to having a full-time job. Or not a full-time job, but a, a part-time job, I mean. But yeah. Yeah, and you said some really interesting things in there that I would just like to touch on real quick. So, you had mentioned that it's seeing other people use, you know, something you have made to make more things. And... Would you say that's what makes it worth it for you? It's it's not an easy process to make a hammer. It's a lot of blood, sweat, you know, hopefully not too many tears. <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. just hard physical labor. Is that is that the part that where you are like, oh, everything I just went through and I put myself through, it was good. Yeah, and this, it's, you do all that and it's such a satisfaction to be able to see you know make a nice tool that's actually functional not just you know a hammer quote unquote and uh, rather than rather a functional and beautiful tool that someone can use to make their own things that they love to make that's definitely something that keeps me going it's it's so cool to be able to see that that's really awesome and I guess I get a little bit of that with, you know, I do mostly chef's knives, and I haven't sold any to you know, actual cooks or chefs yet, although my next order is for, I think he said he's a chef or a cook. He's, he's a professional, you know, pr using this knife professionally, and so I'm really excited to take on that project of trying to make something for someone who knows what they're talking about and some, something that's going to be used for hours and hours a day it really excites me and it terrifies me trying to make something you know that'll have to perform really well but i yeah. believe that i'm up to the task and that's exciting for me yeah it it really pushes you to to actually make something work right and and work above average uh when someone's using it professionally yeah no for sure so i'm really excited to take that project on and for me, the thing that makes it all worth it is the, an intangible feeling of satisfaction at having created something beautiful, if yeah. that makes any sense at all. Oh, yeah, it does, for sure. I, it's uh, definitely true. I think it, that's something that only makes sense to makers. And if you don't make something, you just enjoy listening about it, go, go make something and pour your full attention into it for, I don't know, two days we'll call it take two days and make something as good as you can and then you'll know exactly what the intangible feeling of having made something with your own hands that is beautiful feels like yeah it's it's, it's such a gift yeah it's it's a life-changing experience and now after having felt that you can't do anything else and you see that all the time with i was watching this documentary series about it was called Craft in America, and it's just all these different, you know, artists and craftsmen, craftspeople, and a lot of them said, oh yeah, my dad or my mom did, you know, something creative, I started doing it, and that's it. Your whole life becomes consumed in the pursuit of creation, 
And so having done it, it does consume you. Yeah, definitely. That's sort of how it goes. And it's... It's a philosophy in itself, making things. Yeah, it's it's a lifestyle. It's it is. It's amazing. So, if you guys want to try changing your life permanently, go out and make something. That's the point of this podcast. We're trying to get more young people and grow our already you know strong community. So get out there and get into it. Um, and eventually, hopefully, it can transition into a business, which is exactly what our next question is about. I put up an Instagram story asking for, you know, questions or comments about the podcast, and we had a couple. Oh, I guess I'm supposed to say who sent it, aren't I? I just wrote down the questions. But the question is, how have you transitioned to a business? You know, from from a hobby to a business, and how has that changed things, and how and what changes have you had to make to accommodate the business? I guess you know when it was a hobby, it was probably uh, how I transitioned is just starting to sell things, and uh, eventually just kind of snowballed, and I started selling more and more things, and to the point where I had to just constantly make hammers to to sell and. Uh, I think it really, me making hammers really uh, officially turned into a business uh, recently when uh, I got this big order for 25 hammers and that really launched my business to be an actual business uh, making money because before you can call it a business if you're selling things but if you're not selling enough things you're not making profit and and uh, if you're not making profit it's not in my opinion really a, a self-sustaining business and uh, I that only occurred until recently so I guess just starting to sell things and Instagram helped a lot with that because before I had an Instagram account I, did, I sold nothing um, and that's that's about it yeah well I just looked at it and I realized that I made that question up that's not from anybody so I don't have to give credit for that one. Oh yeah sweet but <laughs> so you talked about you know how you've recently transitioned and now you're making a lot more hammers what have you done to increase productivity you know recently what what has made a big difference in how many hammers you can make probably working more getting up earlier and uh, and being consistent in in working hours rather than you know uh, working in the morning until lunch and then after lunch kind of just being lazy rather now I have set times that I work and uh, it's basically all day just working and forging hammers uh, the power hammer has really helped productivity because before I had the power hammer I couldn't make I could make maybe one hammer a day and that's that's not really enough and now that I have the power hammer I can make four hammers in a day and that's it's it's really helped me a lot yeah no that's really good a power hammer is something I'm I'm looking into the tire hammer plans by Clay Spencer because it's hard to find them around here but 
I know I've just been... Oh, and scheduling does make a big difference. I definitely... I definitely see that in myself, too. When you... When you're focused and you're on a good sleep schedule and, you know, everything is more regulated, it makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. Um, something I noticed for myself was when I started taking taking orders and, you know, selling my knives, even though I had to take some of the passion out of it and I had to focus myself on something that maybe I don't always want to work on that knife in particular, but I noticed that overall I enjoy my time in the shop more because of that focus. Do you see that or do you miss, you know, the freedom? Uh, yeah, I think really making having to make specific things that people order hasn't really diminished my passion because I like making everything that I order I think the uh, a great tip that I got from Jason Knight Knives uh, was don't make anything that you don't like to make and I I really took that to heart and I don't take orders for anything that I don't like to make specifically knives I mean, knives are super cool. I love knives just as much as the next guy. But making them, I just, I don't have the patience. It's it's just not my thing. Hmm. And I, yeah, I think, I think that's a really good, a really good message too about making, making what you want to. And that's difficult with custom orders sometimes. And that's why it's something that eventually I would definitely like to get away from customs. But it's not so much making something I don't like to make. It's just, you know, occasionally a, if a knife project lags on too long, you'll lose passion for the... Not passion, but you'll lose interest in that knife. Yeah. And you'll want to move on to the next one, but you're sort of stuck on it. And that's my biggest, you know, issue with... And my biggest struggle transitioning into a business. But other than that, I've actually enjoyed it a lot. And the focus has also made me, you know, really enjoy it. Yeah, I think customs, they're definitely a struggle sometimes. Like, earlier this summer, I had uh, somebody ask me to make, uh, like, wine holders for their uh, hotel that they were going to open up, and they wanted, like, specific shapes and flowers on the wine holder, and I had to turn that down because, you know, first of all, I don't know exactly what she wanted me to make because she kind of didn't really explain it that well. And second of all, it just didn't really take my interest. And if if something's way out of my league that doesn't, you know, spark my attention, then I, I just won't make it because it ultimately won't be the quality of product that I would like it to be because I just don't have the passion in it. And it comes back to that time thing as well. You know, wasting time making projects that you don't feel will help you to progress and projects that you simply won't enjoy. You know, I don't I don't want to take on a project and waste shop time. Yeah. That's even worse than wasting, you know, everyday time. Definitely. And so choosing your orders is definitely a very important process. And I've learned not to be afraid to turn people down. That's something something else that really scared me at first was when I'd tell people the price of my knives and you know scare them away it's something that terrified me and now you know I'm getting enough orders to sustain myself 
and I scare lots of people away. But you yeah, know what? So the I. price is the price. It's my time. It's my work. And I've really learned, and my parents really supported me through that in just being sure of your work and standing by it and selling it, sell it for what it's worth. You know, a lot of people say that. Yeah, it's. I saw a post on Instagram. This is funny. It, I, I couldn't stop laughing after I read this, but it was. I can't remember the knife maker, but he said, if you're not sweating out of your out of your butthole then you don't have if your your prices aren't high enough and i think i think that's a good point it's hilarious at the same time but it's it's such a good point because you know a lot of people don't understand that if something's something's handmade you know that person put their heart and soul into it they're not going to sell it for the same prices as a big box company can make you know a thousand knives in the same amount of time someone can make one Mm -hmm. well it's simply not financially viable yeah it's something people need to remember is that this is a person making this and this is a person it's a person's work it's a small portion of a person's life that went into this knife that you're buying or hammer you know any handmade good yeah and it's something people need to think about more but you can tell when you have a customer that's going to want one. You know? Oh, yeah. I just... Yeah, definitely. Some people, they definitely understand that. And then, you know, you can tell right off the bat that they actually are uh, interested in buying something. And that's the people that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. And I love when they let me do what I want creatively with the knife. They say, yeah, I want this l- this length of chef's knife. Do what you want, you know, figure it out. Yeah, that's fun. And I, I always enjoy those projects. Most of my projects are like that, and so I like it. But I also like the, the challenge of trying to stick to a pattern or a design that somebody has... I've never had someone make a design that they want me to make, but, you know, giving me a lot of things to work within. And it's... It's two different things, and they're both very interesting. Yeah. So, let's get into another question. This one comes from uh, Ned Fly Knives. What's the next tool on the list? Oh, that's actually a good question, because I just put in an order for a new 2x72 grinder from Fear Grinders that I am super excited about. That's going to help me grind hammers a lot faster. I... I am working currently on a super old, it's a two and a half by 60 grinder. It's a Nelson, Nelson machine works. It's a vintage thing and it actually works pretty well. Uh, but the problem is it's only got a half horsepower motor on it. So I can bog that thing down so fast, but I'm, I'm super excited for this new grinder. Well, that's an awkward size too. Where do you where do you find belts for that? They're actually they're, I mean they were hard to find at first, but I get mine from uh, True Grit. In uh, they're in California, I think, and yeah, I get them from okay. from them. That's good. You found belts for it. Well, I think my my belt sander has I want to say three quarter horse, and I don't know that that motor is a beast for three quarter like it. It takes whatever I throw at it so far. Yeah. But I guess a hammer, you can put a lot more pressure on 
than a knife even when I'm doing my heavy grinding like I can only put so much weight on a knife so yeah when I'm grinding hammers I mean I can put my entire body weight into it if I wanted to but that's probably not good no but the fear grinders are nice for sure I've seen them around a little bit yeah Andrew Larson I don't know if the people listening know about Andrew Larson but he's also another great hammer maker he uh, he swears by those grinders and he's the one that referred me to them and once I saw the affordable price on them, I was like, man, I got to get this one. Oh, yeah. I know Josh Smith, Josh Smith Knives, got me uh, into my um, my Vashti grinder. He put me in contact with the guys over there, and they were really, really cool about it. So Yeah, that's cool. When you when you get a recommendation, it's, it's usually pretty good to take, you know, to take it because it's another advantage of being a young maker is that people want to help yeah and they'll help older people too but i feel like it's really easy to just pull out the oh i'm 15 and you know you got any suggestions for me it's sort of nice i think that's how i got this podcast anyways (laughs) yeah i think a lot of people uh kind of pity not not like pity but you know what i mean uh, the younger makers because you know they don't have as much money or uh, they're not as their business is not as developed as yeah. the, the older de- uh, knife makers or well, I think makers it's people are just very willing to help you know they yeah. see the next generation coming up and they're really nice about helping helping along the progression and you know keeping growing the community definitely and I don't know, the last thing I said could be misunderstood as, like, saying I'm, t- I'm not taking advantage of anybody. Yeah. That's not my intention, but I'm just, you know, sometimes when you mention it, sometimes people, people's tone seems to change. Yeah. And that, not always, you know, they know you and they just, they just help anybody, you know, like, but, yeah, I'm not, I'm, you, you <sighs> You know what, everyone knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, they're not know. trying to take advantage of people <laughs> by, you know, using using your age to take advantage of people. It's just sometimes when you mention it, people get even more willing to help, which is hard to believe because everyone is already willing very willing to to give you tips. Yeah. Now whenever a young smith asks for tips everybody's gonna say no <laughs> yeah i know i've just dug i've just dug myself an awful hole <laughs> i shouldn't be allowed to talk anymore <laughs> i don't know who gave me this podcast but because my job is to talk and i can't do it right that's fine that's fine hey. let's change the topic how do you balance you know obviously school's not going on right now but how do you balance work and school that's something I'm definitely working on because last school year my business wasn't, you know, it wasn't as busy as it is now because this summer I've really uh, launched into a new atmosphere with this business and I'll definitely have to try out some different things because uh, especially with this larger order that I got it's going to be, I'm going to be making hammers into the school year, so I'll have to balance school and and work. I think what could help with that is, you know, changing mindsets in between. When you go to school, you need to have a school mindset, 
get all the work done, uh, do your work well, and then when you come home, you can do your homework and then do whatever and, and then change your mindset into, oh, I got to make this and fulfill this order and do that and that and uh, have that mindset. And I think I think that would help a lot, just having different mindsets that you could switch switch between. Yeah, because I know that's something that I struggled with a lot last year and I've been thinking a lot about it this year was I would I would work on something on a Sunday, you know, and then go to school and you're so excited to get home and work on it again. And then you get home and you sit down and then you lose all motivation. And it's really hard. I found it very difficult to get into the shop on, you know, a school day afternoon. Just, just finding motivation. I wanted to work, but it was hard to motivate myself to get up off the couch. And so I'm really interested to see how I'm gonna, how I'm gonna do that next year. And I'm interested to see how other people do it, because it's something that I've struggled with quite a bit. Yeah, it's definitely not easy to balance. I mean, I think motivation could be, you know, you need to think about, oh, I have this order, and if I don't get it done soon enough, then it's gonna be late, and that's gonna, you know, make me look bad. And that's something I hate is to be late on orders so yeah that could be motivation to get off the couch and get in the shop and I'm a notorious procrastinator so it's just awful same here man same here especially on school stuff Mm -hmm. knives it's pretty easy to get to work yeah I just said it's not easy depends on the day you know and so hopefully next year I can be more consistent is I guess what I'm trying to say yeah and I like what you said about the mindsets I think that's a really good point something you got to think about so we're coming up to the end of the show you know we've talked about everything you know, not everything but we've talked a lot about what you do in the shop what are you doing outside the shop who are you when you're not working outside of your work you know uh that's a hard question I basically base my life off of the shop, you know. I'm always trying to be in the shop. But uh, I guess you could say I just like spending time with my family. Uh, I like going to the mountains and camping and uh, cutting wood, working with trees and, you know, cutting down trees for the winter for firewood. That's pretty fun. I don't really do much outside of the shop. It's I spend most of my time in the shop, I guess. Oh, it must be nice. I do, um, you know, I do school, obviously. Um, I poorly play every sport. If, you know, <laughs> I, I sit on the bench on all the sports teams. So yeah, I've got that, that going on. That's something I had to give up when... I started blacksmithing is I I personally I don't think I could balance that is playing sports and having school and running a business that that'd be so tough it's it's tricky enough and this was an interesting this was another question that I got I think Ned Fly Knives asked this one as well and which I thought was something I'd never actually considered to talk about on the podcast was personal life but I guess we sh- I should almost give an intro. I'm Kenzie, 
I do sports, I do knives, I do school. Oh, I do um, Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, but I just tell everyone I do boxing and wrestling because it makes <laughs> more sense to people. Um, so between all that, I'm busy enough. I do chores. I talked to a girl once. Haven't um, we all? I mean, at least <laughs> once. Yeah, once or twice. That's that's everything I do outside of school. So now we're really getting into the deep, you know, the end of the episode. We're wrapping it up. We're doing a segment that I like to call Nothing because I haven't thought of an interesting name for it yet. But we're going to be highlighting a maker, you know, someone who you've been inspired by, someone who's taught you something recently, someone who's influenced your work in the past, you know, week or two. Who do you okay. got? That would be Jacob Farum at Farm Forge on Instagram. He he's definitely probably the one of the biggest uh, inspirations for uh, hammer making for me. Just how clean his work is. Honestly, I don't think there's very many other hammer makers that come that are as clean as him when it comes to forging hammers. He's man I the, his his cleanliness after forging is something that I strive for but I'm definitely still working on that it uh, he's he's definitely a big inspiration for me um, I think at first it was Ethan Hardy who insp- inspired me and then I saw fire farm forge and and definitely the this past month I've been uh, studying his hammers and looking at those and they've definitely given me some motivation to to start paying attention to how clean uh, my hammers are right off the right off the anvil i'm looking at them right now and they're they're uh, pretty nice i gotta say yeah he's uh he's he's a very 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 good very, very good blacksmith clean. That's a good way to describe them, is they're just clean. Yeah. I can't, like, I don't know how he gets so few hammer marks in there. He must have really, you know, really well thought out tooling. Yeah, his his dies on his power hammer are very, very nice. Yeah, you can tell he takes care of his tools, which is something important I try and think about, too, is, you know, dressing my hammer faces and whatnot to keep, uh, to keep a clean finish and another thing I've been experimenting with is cold forging which sounds awful but after I do my normalizing cycles I like to take it back to the anvil and you know just planish it straighten it do all my final tweaks you know completely cold and it's a traditional Japanese technique and I haven't had any problems with traditional or with simple 10 series steels I'm had no problems with cracks or anything some people say it refines grain structure but a lot of people say no so i don't know but i like to use it to clean up my forging yeah which i think tangent but i think cold forging when i'm making hammers it's not like completely cold forging because you can't you can't really cold forge a hammer but um it's 
we refer to it as warm forging. It's just a black heat, and that's what I use to clean up and plenish the troughs and the cheeks and make everything really shiny and just pop rather than yeah. doing everything at a red heat, which would continue to scale and get that crusty. Yeah. No, that's what I used to do, but then I yeah, I did some reading about cold forging, and I like it because I can hold it. And I can, like, get it right up to my face to check straightness and twist and everything. And it's very soft. After three thorough normalizing cycles ev er, and, you know, rela yeah, normalizing cycles, everything is very soft. And before anybody starts, you know, sliding into my DMs to yell at me for forging <laughs> cold steel, it's just light planishing. I'm not forging bevels in. I'm not, you know, You're not forging in a tip. I'm just hammer on it. Yeah, I take my two-and-a-half-pound hammer and I just give it some taps, straighten everything out nice. But, yeah, that's a complete tangent from this segment of the show, but figured I would just mention that it came up. So, for me this week, I would have to say it is... And I say it wrong every time, I think. Uh, Brian Requin? Brian, Brian Quinn? Brian Requin? Jeff Fader mentions him a lot on the Knife Talk podcast. And I looked at some of his knives, and I really love how simple they are. It's something that I'm striving for lately, is doing really simple and well-done knives. And his, his embody that completely. He does a lot of iron sand my uh, one-piece charred handles, which I love. I don't know about the charred, but I love one-piece handles. Um... You know, leaving all the forged texture. I think he's doing a lot of polishing on stones, which is something I'd like to get into. So I've just been really inspired by the simplicity and the elegance of his knives. They're very, very well done. So Brian Brian Requin on Instagram. Both of the him and you know Farm Forge will be in the show notes as well, so you guys can check them out along with my Instagram, Young Makers Podcast Instagram, and Jonah's Instagram. So, there you have it. Unless you have any wise parting words or um, some deep quote or anything you'd like to share. Oh, man. I'm not really a quote guy. I'm not, I'm not Socrates, but I guess I could say something off a sticker that I got. Forge or die. Forge or die. I like that. Is that does that come from Alex Steele and Will Stelter? Is that someone else that just it. have? I think it's from Will Stelter specifically, but yeah, Alex Steele and Will Stelter. Yeah, because I know I see it on the channel, and I was wondered about that. Forge or die. On if you guys are listening to this podcast, you should no, don't worry about that. <laughs> Ignore that. We are ending the show now. I would just like to. You know, say my closing words are just a huge thank you to everybody who's been listening to the podcast. We've got a great little community starting to grow. Go follow the Young Makers podcast and the Makery Network podcast, or not, Makery Network, uh, for updates on all the shows. There's a lot of other fantastic shows on the Makery Network created by Craig Lockwood, who's the host of Knife Talk podcast and the Podcasters podcast on the Makery Network. All the shows are fantastic. I love listening to them. Um, they're really great when you're in the shop, when you're driving, anywhere. So go check those out. 
continue listening to the show please i really appreciate you guys allowing me to do this um i'm really enjoying talking to other young makers and i appreciate that you guys give me the opportunity to do that so thank you if you'd like to be on the show you know give me a dm on the young makers podcast and um so yeah keep listening keep making If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.